Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today in our studio, the incomparable, mm. amazing, astonishingly brilliant wow. Jay Harvey. Wow, thanks, Jim. I I think I that was a compliment, right? I, <laughs> I, 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 you're not buttering me up for anything. No, right? no, like, I just um, think you are amazing. It's my know. privilege to okay. be in the studio with you. You're not going to ask me to mow your lawn later. Or, no, no. Okay, no. great. But, I, I take that compliment. But you know what? I do need some help if you could help me get to the garage to pick up my car after the <laughs> sure, show. Sure, sure. <laughs> hey, Jay, we're in a series called Real Life. And here at Viewpoint, we've been interviewing guests through this summer who have real life experiences. It's not always easy walking into the real world, it's not always a pretty picture. And today's guest is right on the, what I'll say, the front edge of real life in the headlines and the news of these United States where we're seated right now this summer. Mm -hmm. Both you and I know that there's been a lot of controversies about law enforcement, about communities of color and diversity and how all of those things work together, staked out positions on many sides of many questions. It's kind of, well, a tough, real world. It's the real life. You're right. But today we have someone who's right on the front line of that because he is himself in law enforcement. He's a member of the Indiana State Police, someone who's a career officer and someone himself who is a person of color. Our guest today on Viewpoint is Sergeant Ray Poole, a member of the terrific team called Indiana State Police, a career officer. He is someone who is also a follower of Jesus and who has brought his faith to work with him for years. And Ray, we're so glad to have you with us today. Thanks for coming alongside. Well, thanks for having me. It's, it's, it's an honor. It's a pleasure. And I, I look forward to chatting with you guys today about what we have on the table. Well, we'll see what you say at the end because we've got some <laughs> tough questions for you because, you know what, you're not only in law enforcement, Ray, uh, but I think it's important for our listening audience to know you're an African-American. Yes, sir. You're a man uh, of color who is navigating a world that sometimes mixes up and confuses some of those lines and, and prejudice, a prejudgment is made often in our world today about who people are and what they think and so on, just based on the way in which they appear and based on the lens with which we've been raised. And here you are wearing several different hats. You're a person of color. You're a black man. Yes. You're wearing a very starched and perfectly <laughs> ironed blue uniform of the mm -hmm. Indiana State Police. Mm -hmm. How long have you been on the force? Working in my 32nd year, and it's I can't believe, you know, you, you hear the old folks, as they say, <laughs> talk about how fast time goes and you know when you you know you go to work every day and you, you raise your kids and everything it just goes super 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 fast so wow. I, I can't I've been here my whole adult life since I've been 21 years old wow well you still look pretty young to me to <laughs> be have been on the force for 32 years so I'm saying you're living right something's working for you that's good it's the good man upstairs there you go and you know what? I don't get a chance to talk to people who pull me over and issue tickets when I'm exceeding the speed of it very often. So now you're my guest today. So just to, what goes on in your ordinary life? Because I realize as a sergeant in mm -hmm. the state police, your, your jobs are varied. I know you've been working with camps, mentoring young people and so on. But just for now, if let's say I'm careening down an interstate highway okay. and you see me exceeding the speed limit in a way that well, it's just against the law. I must say that van's going awful fast. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yes. I don't. He's seen me drive my Astro <laughs> van. Seen you. All right, so, <laughs> and you pull me over. What do you have to do? What's your professional checklist in a traffic stop? Now, mind you, all this is going through. I'm processing this 
in seconds, if not short minutes. Right. Uh, you know, I, I see the vehicle. Then I will turn or maybe pace clock the car. Then I have to make sure that there's a safe location for the person to be pulled over for not only my safety, but for the violator's safety. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to make sure there's one, two, three, male, woman, um, black, white, you know, whatever color person it is. I have to determine all these factors within second. Now, why do you have to know who's in the car? What their characteristics? Why is that important? Well, ordinarily, I, I'm going to say most days the person's going to pull over. They're going to be upset with themselves, and it's you're going to cite them a, a warning or a ticket and go about your business. But say that one person that you do come across and they bolt, they take off running hmm. and you're like, oh no. So you have to know what they look like approximately their size, their weight mm-hmm. without even really even getting out of the car yet. Mm-hmm. What they're wearing, beard, no beard, slick hair like me or plenty of hair like you guys, skin color. I mean, anything I can describe this person. I also need to know if there's other folks in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe there's weapons in the car. Maybe there's drugs in the car. Maybe mm-hmm. some people like to travel with their big, mean dogs, mm-hmm. and you have to be careful. <laughs> and we chuckle, but that's also a concern, especially when I love dogs, but I don't like them barking and mean to me. Mm. And you have to size all this up just in, in a moment yes. as you're approaching the car, actually. Yes. And not only might someone run away, let's say, but they might just stay seated in the car but be very cross and angry and want to go to court, and you're going to be called in Correct. to actually give testimony and they're counsel at the courtroom is going to nail you about what they were wearing and identifying them. So you've got to take in all the details. Is that what I'm hearing you say? you got to take in all the details. Like um, people are great to point out others' mistakes, <laughs> but when you point their mistakes out, they get very cross yeah. or they cry yeah. or they yell. They may say some words that aren't good for Christian ears <laughs> and, and they all direct that towards me, which, you know, I'm just telling you, you're going 10 or 15 or 20 miles over the speed limit. It's not life or death situations, but some people make it to that. And all the, all this is going on while there are cars going by at 80 mile an hour on Correct. the interstate. Yes, right. yes. There's cars going by on the, on the interstate. So you got to make sure not only is my car safe, their car safe, I'm safe in there. I mean, their passengers. There's a whole multitude of things that you have to evaluate and make sure it's straight and good and, and that you're not going to get hurt. Plus, you got to remember all the notes that, you know, the person may have said something, you know, that's going to admit guilt. Mm-hmm. Well, I was only going 15 miles over the speed limit. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, that's all I need. And then, But I choose not to argue with people on the interstate because that's what they have court for. Right. And just for people that may get stopped on the interstate on a busy road, if an officer is talking loud to you, it's not because they're screaming at you. It's loud outside in our environment. Yeah. Maybe in the comfort right. of your vehicle, it might be a little quieter. Or you might... There's people that are rude enough that they won't turn the stereo down. Mm. Or there's people that are recording you on the cell phone. When I first started 32 years ago, there were no cell phones. Right, right. Now you have to be super careful of, of the cell phones because mm. people are recording you. Right. Because they want to make you slip up. And, oh, by the way, if you do slip up, unlike the weather people, you know, they can be 50-50 <laughs> on the weather. But with us, we have to be 100% correct on the vehicle that you stopped, the plate number, the age, I remember getting a ticket kicked back, and I shouldn't admit this on national radio, but um, got a ticket kicked back because I forgot to fill in the person's birthday. You know, you kind of skip mm-hmm. over because mm-hmm. you're looking up and making sure nobody's walking up beside you. I mean, there's a lot going on. Sure. And I forgot to put the birthday, uh, actually the, the number on there, how old the person was. And 
a defense attorney kick, got kicked out because consequently wow. because not wow. every blank was perfectly filled in. There you yeah. go. The whole charge was yes. abandoned. Correct. And that's what you're describing is for any of us who have been pulled over, we're kind mm. of conscious of wow, I didn't want to get pulled over. I don't have time for this. I don't want to pay the ticket. But the officer is calculating all of these things where you can be held accountable. Correct. So it's not always an easy straight line from here to there. It's much more complicated from your side. And as I'm just listening to you describe that, uh, Ray, I'm thinking you'd really never know what you're going to find. Every traffic stop, every day you're going to work is kind of a wild card. You're not really sure what to expect. It really is. Every person's different. And I make hundreds of contacts. Besides tickets and citations and warnings, maybe somebody's lost. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody has lost a loved one and, and trying to hustle home, and they're disoriented and they're just completely scatterbrained. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there's an Alzheimer's patient that you have to try to direct home or find their family. So there's many, many, many contacts as a law enforcement officer, as a police officer that we make daily that nobody records, that nobody says anything about. And you can probably hear the passion in my voice with it. it. Those are the things that go undetected. But none of us are looking for pats on the back. Right. That's what we do. Yeah. But you're you're not just law enforcement. Sometimes right. you're a social worker. Yeah. <laughs> big brother. Yeah, big brother. Sometimes you're a parent. Yes. Uh, you're, you're all of those things. But that said, hearing the passion in your voice, Ray, you like what you do. I love it's what I do. It's a calling. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's the best thing about it? Well, all those things wrapped into one. You can be anything you want during that day. Or you have the opportunity when, when you leave your driveway that day, the main goal is to come home every night mm. because my chance of getting home are a little slim than yours because yeah. who I might come across that day. Mm. I might come across the best person in the world or you might come across the person that may not want you to go home. It's one of those things that you, know, you, you, you think about and what made me think even more because I feel like I'm highly trained. I feel like I've... I have a control over the situation, and, and as a police officer, you have to. But what made me um, worry or made me think is I have two sons, and now I have two stepchildren, but my kids told me, you know, we worry when you come home late. Mm. And it never dawned on me. Mm. I, I might be working at the state fair and just come home a couple hours later than what I normally do or on a traffic crash or whatever, any multitude of things. And when they pointed out to me, hey, Dad, that kind of scares us when and, and now that they're older, they were like, it bothered them when they were little boys. Wow. And, and you know you're okay, but they don't know. They don't know. And they know your line of work has its dangers. But we yes. want our dad to come home, and that's your ambition when you leave oh, the house. That's my goal. Is to come home. That's my goal, is to come home every night. When we come back, we want to talk about how complicated that is, just now especially.
Ray Poole is a 32-year veteran of the Indiana State Police. He loves his job. He considers it a calling. He is also an African-American. He's working in a world where race matters. It's the subject of a lot of conversation. We all know that this summer especially, although the headlines that we see this year uh, maybe simply disclose things that have always been so, but just now everyone is buzzing about law enforcement and communities of color and diversity and are, is there prejudice in the administration of the law and so on and so forth. So you, Ray, yes. as a black man wearing a uniform mm-hmm. of state police, what would you say to the question, do young black men, for instance, as a type, and that's much in the public conversation today, do they have more of which to be afraid in the ordinary course of life being pulled over for a traffic stop? That for a white guy might be routine, but if you're a person of color, you've just got to be more careful and, and you have more danger. What would you say to that? You know, I know what the media is saying. I know what people are trying to instruct young black men to do. And I would share that same information with your kids, your kids, or any other person. We're paid to patrol. Mm-hmm. That means keeping the road safe. That means keeping the city safe. That means keeping people that we come in contact safe. So, you know, I'm sure people don't want us sitting around the house instead of working, playing right. video games or anything or watching Netflix. <laughs> right. they, they prefer us to be out patrolling. That's what we're supposed to do. Right. So we're out, and if that means, you know, enforcing the law by somebody, you know, speeding or somebody that's committed a robbery at a bank, you know, that's our job is to keep people safe and keep the things around us safe. So with that being said, if I stop you, which, like I mentioned, there's a million other things we have to do during that day, I'm stopping you for a reason. I didn't just go, oh, well, that, that's, there's a, a black guy. Let's just go harass him. Right. I, I've never been anybody, around anybody, and once again, let me qualify this. I can't speak for every law enforcement officer in the nation. I, won't, I can't do it. I won't do it. But with the people that I've been around, Nobody's ever sat around and said, hey, let's go stop that kid right there because he looks suspicious because he's black right. and he's driving a nice car. Right. So, <laughs> I, but what, the, the way a, a young black man or anybody should behave is if I approach your vehicle, sit there. Mm-hmm. Don't fidget. Sit there. If you have to put your hands on your, on your knees, if you have to put your hands on the steering column, the steering wheel, you know, fold them up. Well, I wouldn't fold them up because then you're kind of hiding your hands. Mm-hmm. Just sit there. Be still. Turn your stereo down. When that officer comes up to your vehicle, speak respectfully. Mm-hmm. Don't call him anything but the child of God, you know, because <laughs> there's some people that call you choice names. Right. Um, but in cases that we've seen so much in the news, it seems like some young men have been respectful and still found themselves in harm's way. How would you interpret that? Oh, boy, that's tough. Mm-hmm. That's tough. And what we're getting from that story is not the whole story. Right. Maybe I have a history with you. Maybe I've stopped you 15 other times. And this time it, it, it got ugly. Yeah, I, I can't. That's just a, that's a tough. Yeah. And still, with that being said, you still have to be respectful. And if you're approached, answer the officer's question. Right before I come to visit with you folks, I stopped where my son works as a lifeguard, and there was a, a, the kids that were swimming. There were a lot of um, African American kids, but other black kids, and they were playing in the pool. And they had happened to go up to my son, and they didn't know I was his dad. And I'm dressed in my uniform, and he's like, well, police are here. And my son looks at him like, okay. And he looked back, and he was like, oh. And I saw the smile come across yeah, his face because yeah. he was like, oh, there's dad. Uh, and the kid said, I'm scared. And my son said, why are you scared? He said, he's the police. He said, but why are you scared? He said, because he's the police. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. The kid or anybody, you know, mm-hmm. it could be a little four-year-old kid or it could be a, an adult. 
that can have a, a bad taste in their mouth for a police officer without even meeting me. Meet me, and if you don't like me as a person, I can't change that, but don't hate me or don't dislike me because of my mm. job or my profession, my chosen profession, um, because that, once again, you're talking about prejudice, and you're, you're sizing me up before you even get a chance. Give me a chance first. Yeah. Now, I know that uh, you've spent a lot of time on the road here in Indiana in, mm-hmm. your, in your vocation, but you've also been stationed in some pretty deep urban areas like Gary, Indiana. Correct. And... Uh, Tell us about that intersection where you've got some guy <laughs> who's challenging you because he thinks you should be sympathetic to him because you guys are the same color, but you're, you have a job to do. You know what? And I, I have a job to do, and I, and I, I treat everybody the same, and mm-hmm. I will promise you that from the day I started to right now. Start, stopped a young man, and he was older than me, actually. He'd been drinking. His characteristics led, to believe, led me to believe that he'd, he was driving too fast all over the road, and when, you walk, when I walked up to his car... He actually had a strong odor of alcohol that hit you in the face like a punch. Mm. And we conversed, and I gave him some field sobriety tests, and finally he said, hey, I have about 1500 bucks in my pocket. And I said, okay, we'll take it and count it, so you won't accuse me of stealing your money, basically. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I have 1500 bucks in my pocket for you. I'm like, no, you don't. I said, <laughs> I said that's bribery, and I, don't, I won't take it. And I wasn't laughing, obviously, yeah, but right. I said... Um, and he said, well, I'm going to tell you something. Back in 1976, when Indiana State Police didn't really have any, they only had like three black officers on the whole department of, of 1,400 people. Um, he said, I was one of the guys that fought for you to get your job. He said, brother, I fought for you, brother. And I was like, hmm. well, I have two sisters, and mm-hmm. I'm the only boy my mom and dad had. And he looked at me, and people of color will understand what he's saying. He, he, he said, oh, you're one of those guys. Yep. Oh, you're that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Forget who, where you come from. Mm-hmm. I said, well, if that's how you want to look at me. And, that, and that's <laughs> unfortunate because I, I yeah. wouldn't treat anybody any differently. He was going to go to jail that night because he committed a violation. And, guy. you know, you've referenced there uh, a couple times a, a premise that actually is a biblical frame mm. that defines life for those who follow Jesus, and that is what we sometimes call the golden rule. But mm-hmm. actually these are words of Jesus about the way in which we treat people the way we want to be treated. Jay, I know you have your scripture open. That's in Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Read that out loud, and, and I'm thinking, this is Ray Poole. Yes, absolutely. As I'm sitting here listening to Ray and the real life in which he lives, it actually makes these words of Jesus even more real because they're so applicable. It says in Matthew 7, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. I mean, how much more clear can you be? And it's not, uh, I would get you out of the ticket, so get me out of the ticket. No, it's, no. it's treat others as human beings. Correct. Do your job. Have them, uh, in turn, be who they need to be. Make no prejudice. You said something earlier that, that really I had never thought about is walking that same beat, working that same community. You might have history with people. And oftentimes right. what we get in the news is just a 10-second a clip of something that could be horrible but we don't know the backstory. We don't know the story of the individual uh, who was pulled over and how many times um, they have come after an officer or how many times an officer, uh, maybe it was a young officer, maybe the officer was going through a divorce in an emotional state that he shouldn't have been working, but nobody knew. I mean, we just don't know. So the golden rule is treat everybody, do everything in your power to treat people the way that you would have them treat you. And that's all we can do. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, and forgive me, there's a story that puts 
it makes the hair stand on my arms every time I tell this story. Mm. And I share this because it's something, you know, there's, I think God also has a plan and he knows where I'm going to, he put, he directs me every morning. There's times that I will go and say, it's happening already. There's times <laughs> I will drive a place, maybe an obscure place that I've not been. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know why I need to go this way, but I do. And there's somebody broke down or there's somebody yeah. needing help. Right. But this one time this happened and it was super cold. Um, I was working still up in Lake County at that time when I was, like I say, a young trooper, and it was very cold, like one of those minus 30-degree nights, and Ugh. it got super cold up there. And, um, and I'm driving, and I see this in a flash, a little flash, and it happened to be a van, a black van. And I pull around, and I turn my lights on, and I walk up to the car, and there's this man. He really, you could tell he probably wouldn't be able to walk. It's like 2 in the morning because I was making my last pass before I was able to go off duty. And he just starts sobbing. And he is large. He, he had a wheelchair in the back, and his vehicle stopped working on him. Hmm. He rolled down the window, and he looked, and I was standing there. Hmm. And he just said, I was praying. When He said, he said, <laughs> That's he said he, his hands were, because I thought he was, like, yes. like upset. His hands were in his face, and he said he, he looked up, and I'm standing there. And he's like, I was praying to God that he would send me an angel. He said, and I, I turned, and you're literally standing right there. Wow. And... That's re- that's real life. That's, that's that's real life. And I I know that wasn't Ray. Right. I had nothing right. to do with that. Right. If wow. you could say something to mm. our troubled country today about the way in which there's tension between different communities and law enforcement and so on, what would you say? What's the advice you'd give? We have to have dialogue. Mm-hmm. We have to trust one another. I promise you, the folks that I come in con- with, contact with and have trained. And, I mean, I'm talking to young officers that I've mentored and, I, and the young kids that we talked about earlier that I've mentored. We need to speak. We need to talk. Yeah. Our young guys and girls that are officers, and I don't care where you're a police officer at, take the time to meet the kids walking down the street. You know, maybe they are struggling. Maybe they have some issues that you, maybe you can help them direct those kids mm-hmm. in their proper place. Kids, moms and dads, come up and talk to us. We're not going to bite your fingers off. Maybe you're like... Jay just said maybe they're going maybe that officer's got a bad day. Maybe they're going through a divorce. You know, I'm a I'm a divorcee and but I'd never treated anybody poorly like right. that. You, because you, that's when you start relying on your faith. That's why you pray. That's why you get down on your knees and you talk mm-hmm. and let let the good Lord know what's going on in your life cuz he knows but he knows where your heart is, but you just got to let him know. You got to let him know. And dialogue can't happen until we understand that we're not going to solve we're not going to solve anything by finding the right person to blame. That's the whole idea about if, if somebody's having a bad day. We just we never know the whole story, so mm-hmm. we have to enter the dialogue Correct. without assuming that we know the whole story. We, we, we find peace and healing through the stories of everybody. And I just, I just penned an editorial for um, some of the things that we're talking about, and I said, I think step one is realizing we need to stop trying to find a person to blame and we have to realize that really the first step is here's, here's who's to blame. It's me, it's you, it's everybody. We're, we're all in this together. We are. So that's the starting point for a dialogue. And I just want to say, hearing some of your stories, I, you know, I know and I've always respected the police, but uh, just God bless you and, and um, you're doing an amazing thing. Thank so, you. Yeah. Thank you. And this, as in all things, has great counsel from Jesus himself. Hmm. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Respect others. And there's some risk involved in that. You assume that risk, Ray, every time you go to work. 
you're starting with the frame of reference, following Jesus. I'm going to treat other people I meet today, no matter what the circumstance, the way I want to be treated. There's some risk assumed there because other people may not have that same frame of reference and can take advantage of you. But in the end, it's the best way forward. Yes. We're not sure where you are today in your life. We're not sure how difficult your real life might be, but whether you're called to law enforcement or you're simply someone who sees the police pass by, maybe you are having a hard time in your place of work or maybe you don't have a job. Maybe there are people who have taken advantage of you and some who have just ignored you wherever you are in life. These words of Jesus work. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Be respectful. Be kind. Be interested in the same way that you want people to be respectful and kind and interested in you. Wherever you are in life, take a deep breath and move closer into this path of Jesus with us right now in prayer. Our Father, we're so thankful today for great men of faith like Ray Poole Mm -hmm. who assume risk and, and with great courage and kindness fulfill their duties for the common good day by day. Unsung heroes, but heroes still. We thank you, Lord, that all of us have a place where we can follow this golden rule, that all of us, no matter how challenging our real life might be, can find a way forward and advance our cause and that of others by treating them the way we ourselves would like to be treated. May we never take the words of Jesus for granted. May he be the Lord of our lives. And we know, Lord, that we are unable ourselves. We are unable ourselves to live up to his high calling, but as we surrender our lives to you, admit our flaws repent of our sin, and allow you to make us new, well then, Lord, we can go forward and bring life as well. May that be our story. May your blessing be on all who join me in this prayer as I lay my life before you once more. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more about this Jesus who gave us this frame of reference, these great words, this Jesus who actually changes and transforms lives, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're by the phone. We want to hear from you. And Jay, if someone did not want to give us a call but would prefer to check us out online, what's our web address? It would be www.cbhviewpoint.org. CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope, viewpoint.org. That's who we are. If you would prefer, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, let us hear from you this week. And maybe you have a word to share, a word of encouragement or question for our brother Ray Poole today. You just call us up or send us a note, and we'll make sure that he gets that message from you. Ray, thanks for coming alongside. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks for what you do every day. Mm -hmm. And Jay Harvey, still amazing, (laughs) incomparable, (laughs) astonishingly brilliant. Thanks for coming Uh, with us. Thanks for having me so much, Jim. I appreciate it. And we thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again next week. As always, here at Viewpoint, we hope to help you see your world from heaven's view. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.